0: Welcome to the Living It Up podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Living It Up podcast, Labor Day, Monday edition, coming to you after DJ captures the title at Live Boston and the Corn Ferry Tour finals conclude with the always epic drama of who has punched their PGA Tour card for next season. This is Brian. I am joined by George, I, side note, George, winner of the Flooded Match Play Championship. Congrats, tip of the hat to you joined by George also a guy who understands the uh the pressure of being on the bubble at the Corn Ferry Tour Finals PJ Tour veteran and winner Billy Hurley III we're actually going to start with the Corn Ferry Finals Billy you've had the uh, distinct privilege of being number 25 the last guy to get his card and number 26 the excruciating you know first guy that does not get his card talk to us just about the final day living on the bubble
1: the final day living on the bubble is <laughs> it it's so much pressure. It's so much things going through your mind. So many things going through your mind. It's on one hand, like there's a hundred guys who wish they were you, right? Because they're out and they're not going to get a card and they're, you know, either watching at home or they're, you know, did not play well in the final event and are not even in the running for it. Right. on the other hand, you wish maybe you would have played better somewhere in July or, or may that, that would have given you more points to be you know off the bubble, but the the thing about being on the bubble is there's a bit of you don't control your own destiny, you 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 are watching what other people are doing. So so you mentioned it, Brian, I've I've, I've kind of done the the 25th thing a couple of times, I've done the 26th thing a couple of times, and you, you know both the, the the first 25th was you know I'm I'm watching. I've birdied the 72nd hole to even give myself a chance. Um, and then David Lingmurth hit it in the water on the 70th first hole or 70th hole to give me a chance. And you know, then you're watching and waiting for Scott Brown to not make seven on the last hole. So so that so that it doesn't mess up the the top level points. And so you're sitting there and you're just watching and you're trying to kill time and it's the longest time. I mean, you're just—I mean—minutes feel like hours, and you know, trying to refresh leaderboards and 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 see one more shot in the future and get one more sense of of where you are—it's—it's a—it's a nerve-wracking day. I I traded a text with Kyle Westmoreland, who who finished 25th uh, this morning, and uh, he said, "I can now empathize with your you know your bubble stories." Uh, you know, he he's a definitely lost a couple hairs uh, yesterday and, and shout out to Kyle for finishing 25th. He's also a 2014 graduate of the wrong service Academy, the air force Academy, but he's a good guy and, and and will represent the military and the air force Academy. Well on the PGA tour, sad to say, um, I can no longer claim being the only U S veteran to be playing the PGA tour.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, uh, one of our uh, buddies here at our club actually was, um, one of the coaches at the Air Force that recruited Westmoreland. So it was a, uh, was definitely watching with him. Uh, he was, actually, he and I played on uh, Sunday morning together. And then later in the day, he was poolside checking his phone to see if Westmoreland had made it. So it's a, uh, there's definitely some people here locally that were pretty excited to see that happen.
0: And, and, Billy, you talked about sort of the excruciating, like, time where you're, like, sitting and waiting. You're refreshing on your phone. I assume, like, do they put you in a room? Are you watching, like, with others that you're rooting against at that point? I hate to say you're rooting against them, but you're like, if you're on that bubble, you got to root against guys coming down the stretch. Like, w- what is the experience like? Are there are there TVs? Are you guys all sitting in one place? Are there families there? Like, w- what is the, what's the situation?
1: Yeah, I actually got away from my family <laughs> and you know when i when i the first time and um, went and kind of sat in the bar with some other players and and just kind of watched the tv now this was way back this is 11 years ago the first time i was 25th so it was kind of before everybody had a smartphone and before the you know PGA tour app was the was the PGA tour app as we know it today and and had the ability to do some of that refreshing to re- literally were watching the telecast and you know, refreshing a laptop, you you, you know, kind of kind of thing. And then, um, so yeah, you just, I, I mean, guys do it differently. I mean, I chose to get away from away from my family. You know, the other the other couple times, um, I was walking down the 18th hole, and 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 Danny Lee, who had already secured his card previously that year, looks at me at 72nd hole. He goes, "Where do you stand in this thing, anyway?" <laughs> My cat he just kind of jumped right on him. And was like, hey, 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 we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit, because <laughs> like, I needed to make four on the last hole that day to to get my card. Um, and 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 Danny's a great guy, but he's a little aloof on some of that stuff, and and didn't really know what was going on. And then, you know, the couple times I finished twenty sixth, you know, twenty or missed it by a shot or or whatever. I mean, I remember watching. The last hole in the airport, you know, I pretty much knew I was done, but there was like one small chance if a guy made a double bogey on the last hole that, that maybe, you know, the points would flip and, and I would get back in there. But um, so, you know, it's um, it's a, it's, a, it's a just a gamut of emotions. I mean, you, you said it, you're playing, you know, you're punching your card for the next season, life changing events. Um, it's it's a, it's it's a long harrowing day. And and when you don't have any more golf shots to hit, you just just watch and see.
2: So having been a, a tour winner, having been through this, how would you compare like the stress and the nerves of those two days? Like each one has like massive career defining implications. So like which one was the nervier of the two?
1: probably winning um on tour I think uh, maybe simply because that's kind of more recent in my memory but but you know when I finished 25th and 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 kind of had those experiences and 26 it was it was earlier in my career so you were still kind of up and coming you know you, you were still kind of you you still you felt like the future was still ahead of you in a sense, right? Um, you know when I finished twenty fifth the first time, it was my first year, uh, way back on on the old Nationwide Tour, the Corn Ferry Tour, you know, called the Nationwide Tour back then, and and so it it was like obviously you wanted it, but but even just having a Nationwide Tour card for the next year was winning as a rookie, right? Like keeping that and being able to play play again. So then fast forward to trying to win a tour event. Now I've been on tour for a handful of years and and you haven't won yet and and so you you're kind of you know the the next step of of life changing so to so to speak and so i think i think that winning a tour event definitely is 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 certainly harder and and had a little bit more of the of the nerves to go with it
2: and and then going back to you, you said you'd sent a text to Westmoreland. Is there just a directory where you guys can all text each other? Cuz I see all I see guys being like, "Oh, I got text from this guy." I'm like, "Do they all have their numbers?" Like, how what where is this? Is there like a direct is there great side chats with all the players?
1: No, there's no. No. No, there's not. I just happen to know Kyle. Um he, he actually lives here uh outside Charleston like I do and and you know, we've run into each other over the years being service academy grads and 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 so I just I just happened happen to be be friends with kyle and have, have helped him a little bit along the way
0: you you can share that list with us afterward on the on the call board.
1: yeah I'll, I'll, yeah I'll send a, send a it google
0: doc to of everybody's number well hey let's uh let's transition that you know to to live boston uh for those of you that didn't watch quick recap uh live boston dustin johnson wins uh in a three-man playoff with honor bondahiri um and and also yaki neiman uh ends it on the first playoff hole rams about a 40 foot eagle putt into the back of the hole probably goes 10 feet by if it doesn't hit the back do that like jump up and s- slam dunk into the cup uh you know first playoff for Live, so that was significant there were all these questions about like how's it going to work well it's just going to work like a regular you know sudden death playoff just like we're used to on the pga tour um it made for a bit of a frenetic ending because there were a lot of uh there were a lot of things going on with the shotgun start you had all these guys finish on 18 But you actually had Cam Smith, who was finishing on the second hole, Lee Westwood finishing on the third hole. Both of those guys could have found their way into the playoff. Actually, Lee Westwood could have won the thing outright with a birdie on his last hole, but he makes bogey to to lose out on the playoff by one. Um, It it was actually, you know, in some ways, a great example of the good and the bad parts about the shotgun. And I wanted to get your guys' take on, on the shotgun start. It's been derided to a degree by folks on, on social media as being like, Oh, this is just, you know, silly, silly exhibitions. Cause they have a shotgun start. You know, I, for one will say like it, it does tighten the TV window. It makes for some drama down the stretch in this particular case. I had to imagine it was a little bit strange to follow if you were on location. And for me watching, you know, on YouTube, after the fact on demand, it made for like a, a, a kind of a, a crazy pace where you're like, this guy's in, this guy's out. All these shots are happening all at once.
2: I mean, <clears throat> I think they, I I keep coming back to the things that live will just have to keep working out. Um, We, as fans, I think it's just getting used to it. Um, It's the easiest thing for people to point to and be like, oh, it's just a gimmick, this is ridiculous. Um, But from their standpoint, they're like, look, we are producing a four hour event. And this is how we put the entire four hour window, five hour window in there to To make this all happen at once, but even if it's a five-hour window, to your point, Billy, is the typical tour broadcast. You know, you start with, you know, maybe Golf Channel will start showing it at noon, and then at three, you kick over to the the network affiliate. So whether that's going to be CBS or NBC, and then that goes. And I mean, we've seen. Just recently, I think it was like the Women's US Open. It was like, it was on NBC until 60 Minutes came on. And then it was like, okay, now you're going to Peacock. And the the one thing that the Live broadcast has going for it is YouTube is really a smooth interface. I know it's different for people who haven't done it. Um, anyone who has used it and taken the time. And when I say take the time, I mean basically within like five or 10 minutes, you can pretty much see exactly what, the functionality is going to be, and then you're off to the races with it. Um, and by having it in that very tight window on that very tight platform, um, it is actually very user-friendly and again, the pacing still probably needs to get worked on a little bit and they have time to figure that out. But I mean, it was exciting. You, You can't argue that it wasn't exciting down the stretch.
1: Yeah, I think the, the shotgun, like you said, George, is just kind of, it is what it is, right? It, it's not necessarily right. It's not necessarily wrong. Um, how they utilize that, they being live, how they utilize that to their benefit, you know, is kind of going to be one of the defining factors of, of their product. And are they, is that going to be something ultimately that's compelling to viewers and fans? I, I think the the good part of it, is, as as we were talking about is is that there's so many shots that matter happening at the same time right it's not just the last two or three groups playing the same two or three holes to finish up um that 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 matter and and so it's probably a not a great live experience, like on the ground. Um, you know, if you think about Cam Smith having a a putt to win and Lee Westwood having a putt to get in the playoff, and but they're over on two and three, and 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 the other guys are on eighteen. That's probably not great from a live standpoint, but that kind of that that kind of happens sometimes on tour when a guy who was you know fifteenth or eighteenth goes out and shoots sixty two, and he's sitting around the clubhouse wondering if somebody's going to match him people didn't see a whole lot of his golf either because, you know, they maybe weren't on 18 yet or they, or they weren't, you know, tuned into the the telecast or they didn't even show many shots of his because he was in front of the TV window. So now everybody's in the TV window. They're capturing as many shots as they can. I got to imagine it was super chaotic in the broadcast truck, just of how they were trying to figure out how to jump to, to where and who and, and keep it all straight. But I think that each week they've done that better and, they, and they'll continue to get it tighter.
2: So talking about, coming down a stretch right so again talking going back to like you you've been in these tournaments um where you know the, the last five holes absolutely matter as you're as a player how much do you know about what is going on ahead of you and behind you depending like so say you're you know whether it was the corn Ferry where you're you know you're kind of right in that bubble spot or when you were you know coming down the stretch trying to win a tournament how much do you know is happening in front and behind you to know like okay like maybe so the the guy that you're competing like you were like well this this is the closest dude and he's going off the rails you're like all right let's get let's go for fours if we find threes awesome but and or if it's like no this guy's got the pedal down like we've got to go pin hunting to keep up like how much of that do you know as a player on course as you're coming down the back nine?
1: Well, on the PGA tour, you know, as much or as little as you want to know, right? There's, there's a leaderboard every couple holes. Like you can, you know, find out what you, what you want to know, you know, as far as where people are on the leaderboard and stuff. You don't, you don't see any shots that people hit, you know, it's not like there's a replay, you know, showing up on, on the, on the screen there. Um, the corn Ferry tour is, is less leaderboards, you know, every, every, you know, four or five holes and and not as robust and not as, not as much information on them. But um, you know, there's also just this other like intangible sense as a player, right? You kind of just, you, you, you know, how the course is playing, you know, how you're playing, you know, what a good score would be, what a, what a mediocre score would be, what a poor score would be. And you, and you can kind of piece that together internally and, and just you, you kind of just have this sense of where you are. I mean, and and so I so I don't think that it's that big of a deal if if, if we're concerned about, you know, Lee Westwood trying to win a, a golf tournament and he's on the second hole as opposed to on the 18th hole. I mean, again, that's just something they're going to have to figure out. Uh, you're going to have to figure out as players too. You know, you're no longer necessarily playing the course one to 18. And so that changes maybe where some of your – Uh, birdie opportunities are inside of the inside of the day they're not necessarily you know on the on the same at the same moment in time in your round as they are for the other players in the field so you, you know that's that's things that 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 players will have to adjust to and and think through strategically as well but I think probably in, in this shotgun start sense, the, the, the biggest thing is you just kind of intuitively as a player, have an idea of what's going on and, and, and am I right there? Do I need one more or, or is par going to be good enough? Kind of thing.
2: When you say you intuitively know, and I know they give the pin sheets out in the mornings, you know, you kind of have weather conditions house, of course, from the days before. Do you, do you sit there with your caddy, look at the pin sheets and like your eyes are like, Oh, wow they've put these in the spots that are like we can go get these or is it something that you figure out in the first three or four holes of like oh wow like this is this course is shaping up to be gettable today?
1: Uh, It's a little bit of both um, but I think probably more so the the latter of kind of just as you get out there and as you get going and and as as kind of the the course presents itself to you um, is, is the wind picking up or is it starting to lay down as the day goes on you know are the greens uh, firming up and getting bouncy, or is the cloud cover, you know, kind of holding some of the moisture in, and so they're still kind of soft and gettable, right? So these those things change, especially in a five-hour window. Um, and so, you know, to, to to that point about the course changing, that's that's one of the the positives to the shotgun start, right? Is that the course doesn't change that much from from guys who, you know, there is no drawl, so to speak, right? Early, late, Friday, Thursday, and Friday of. You know, you get the you get the British Open where only a couple guys make the cut from from one side or the other. There was a there was a Corn Ferry Tour event maybe three or four years ago where like three guys from one side of the wave made the cut. You, you know, just the, just the weather was that much different and that in that much you know beneficial or or penal to to one side of the draw. So the shotgun eliminates some of that.
0: Yeah, I definitely think we've seen that, particularly in majors. I would say your run-of-the-mill PGA Tour course, the conditions tend to be what they are. Definitely some wind and, and firmness could pick up later in the afternoons. But I agree with you on the majors. It was actually something that a lot of players highlighted, this idea of like not getting a bad draw as being a positive of, of a shotgun start. <clears throat> I'll go back to some other things that were around sort of the frenetic pace that we talked about at the end. It's also this balancing act of there is an individual competition And there is also this this team competition. And so while they're highlighting the top of the individual, there there was also a lot of movement on the pylon, as as they call it, like the the podium finish of one, two, three, and how guys actually, and this is one thing I, I, I actually really like, you know, guys that are kind of out of it from an individual standpoint. Patrick Reed was, I think, even par through two rounds and bottom half the leaderboard. But he is out there grinding and made a couple late birdies that actually pushed his team, the four aces, right, DJ, Gooch, Uh, Pat Perez and Patrick Reed over the finish line, got them the team victory. And this is a guy that, you know, Billy, we've talked about this a little bit. You know, you're you're back nine on Sunday, you're bottom half the leaderboard. You don't have a lot to play for, right? The money with uh, 52nd is pretty close to the money at 58th. Whereas in this competition, they've got the team that they're trying to to win the event or place first, second or third, because that's some significant money. But I think you're also seeing guys that Uh, I'll give another example. Siwon Kim shot 87, 80 freaking seven in the first round. A lot of people were making fun of him, perhaps rightly so for, for such a round, he comes out and shoots 63 the next day. And it's an example where you may be completely out of it as an individual, but as a, as a team, you have a lot to play for. And that, and that's much different than, you know, you can tell us like much different than being bottom half on, on the back nine on Sunday and, and perhaps like kind of. I don't want to say cashing it in, but maybe taking some, taking some chances you may not take if, if, if you're in the top 10.
1: Yeah, no question. Some of those, you know, late Sundays or, or late Fridays where, you know, you're going to miss the cut. There's um, you might be working on something that you wouldn't work on if you were, you know, in the golf tournament. Um, of course, if you were in the golf tournament then you don't need to work on things, right. Cause you're actually hitting good shots. But um, y- you know, I think that the team element of live is going to make or break their product. And I think that's really where they, they have to focus some more on, in my opinion, of, of making that more compelling. I think that they need to elevate that. I think they need to flip some of the purse structure, maybe pay you know five teams or something and, and, and less to the individual competition. Uh, I think they need to count all four scores in the final round of the team. I think that these are professional golfers who are good at their craft. And if, if, if we're going to claim that all the shots matter and, and they're going to, you know, push the, you know, that this is not exhibition golf, then then all those shots ought to go matter. And you don't have to grind out your 75 to, to hang in there for your teammates as opposed to mailing it in because it's only worth, you know, three four eight thousand $8,000 on your individual score.
0: I do really like that. We, we chatted maybe at some changes, you know, as we were preparing for this and you proposed one that I think was cool. Like maybe you count two in the first round, count three in the, in the second round. And for that final round, like, Hey, buckle up, everybody, everybody's counting uh, in this final round. And I think if you were to do something like that, then you'd see a lot of drama on that, on that team score. Cause there could be guys, you know, a a birdie here, a double bogey here from the guy that's going to be your, your fourth scorer can can really change that leaderboard very very quickly
2: yeah i i think having the four guys count on sunday is it's a to really be i i think that helps live get the legitimacy that every shot counts right and like to, to their entire argument of world ranking points all these things they want to talk about and and all the criticism they get is to be able to say you know look everyone in the eye and be like look whether you are you know, winning this thing by three as an individual or you're in last place by 10 when you tee off on on Sunday morning, like you have a vested interest in playing as well as you humanly can because there could be a big payout. And if you just mail it in or, you know, you don't give everything you've got and grind for, you know, just pars and staying the best you can, then like, it does kind of. I think it it falls into that notion of like it is a little exhibitiony, right? Like, I think making all four count is it, it will hush the critics in a number of ways.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree with that, and it's something we'll we can uh, we can we can let the folks on Twitter debate, and we can we can share that one. But I think it's a cool idea uh, to maybe touch on you know what we've danced around like was this a was this a win? Was this like a good event? Uh, You know, the PGA Tour season concludes. They're only going up against the Corn Ferry Tour finals, which for die-haired golf fans is an outstanding afternoon of of golf to watch. But there's no NFL. There were no college football games to compete against. Just looking at the numbers, this was 820 Eastern time. You've got 812,000 views of the live stream. You actually had another 170,000 views of the highlight package. Um, Greg Norman actually shared that doesn't even count the people that watched on the uh, live.com website it's unknown whether that takes into account all international views. I've tried to look around and, and see, I don't think it counts any like other distribution through like apps or channels internationally. Uh, so that's just like a YouTube number, 812,000. But again, I I'd be curious, like, was this a, a win? I'll offer that I saw on Twitter, a number of folks that I would consider, you know, kind of traditional PGA tour viewers, commentators talking about how they thought it was exciting. They thought it was compelling. They thought it was, real golf, it seemed to have a really good leaderboard considering some of the recent additions that that stepped up and played well, like Cam Smith and Joaquin Neiman specifically. And so I, I look at it as like, it, it definitely was moving in the right direction. I don't know that everyone would full-throated say it was a, a win, uh, but I think it was a another, I don't know, uh, another opportunity for them to shine. And I think they did, they did shine.
2: I mean, to your point, and I took a look at the leaderboard when it was all over, That is a leaderboard that I would say one of their 44 tour events uh, a season. 40 of the 44 tour events would sign up tomorrow for that Sunday leaderboard, like if they make it through the cut and everything else. So the leaderboard is looked very, you know, legit. It was, they're going out, it was tight. Uh, No one ran away with it. And I think the first event, what Keimer kind of just ran away with it, with, by four or five strokes like and i don't care whether it's live it's the pga tour it's the corn Ferry. i don't care what you're doing anytime you have an event where someone just kind of like throws out like 62 65 to start and they're just way out in front and no one else can really catch them, it it's never that exciting right it's just never that compelling this definitely i think felt like a win because as I've noted as I watch, like it continues to get better. The the production gets a little bit better, the pacing gets a little bit better. And you know, if we take Greg at his word, this year is the beta test. This is they had intended to do one thing, you know, they couldn't do it. So this is sort of, hey, we're we're dry running it, but with the players, and we're really going full speed come 2023. So this this again felt like a win because you know, to your point definitely saw a handful of the the pga tour you know media that has been very vocal naysayers kind of were putting their hand up being like yeah like this is this isn't bad I you know it wouldn't be like it's great but they're like all right this is not bad like this is this is actually like i want to see how this goes golf
0: yeah. And I'll go back to something I've said a bunch on Twitter and, and I'll continue to say, I think it is underestimated or underappreciated how good of a product YouTube is, quite frankly. And I think like, certainly they want to get perhaps a network deal or maybe through one of these big streaming streaming platforms like Amazon or Apple, or, or maybe even Google with YouTube. Like they want to get a deal, I'm sure in the United States, but I hope they keep YouTube, quite frankly. I mentioned at the top of the show, like I watch this on demand on YouTube. I found where I wanted to start on the back nine I casted it to my TV it was easy to pause easy to fast forward or rewind whatever I wanted to do like and it also I'll say this and it came up with Anurban Lahiri this week you know he has a pretty large following throughout India that is a mobile first and mobile only country they, they don't have many of them televisions or laptops or other you know ways to watch the watch the broadcast when he's playing on the PGA tour and so they can they can watch him play internationally if you've got a phone and you've got the youtube app and that is to me an underappreciated side of live that i think could could really eat at i think a vulnerability for the pj tour
1: i've said that's from the beginning of, of live coming out is that as american golfers we don't understand the global market and we don't understand how big you know that things could be taken to other you know emerging economies you know a lot India. Uh, South America with the you know Joaquin Neiman and um, you know the additions of 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 who lives at in Australia Cam Smith Mark Leishman I mean these are these are not um, just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks right these are targeted deliberate um, decisions and and actions taken by the live golf investment and and just I think that I think you're right Brian that the tour could have some vulnerabilities internationally now we it lost a number of events overseas um, in the last couple of years covid lost some more um, and and now live is, is taking a good number of international players who who have large followings outside of the US
2: yeah and I I would be really curious to see sort of the the monetized value of what a YouTube viewer is versus a Nielsen 1.2 rating. You know, I think the average tour event gets like a 1.2 or whatever. And but that includes like Pro Shop TVs, that includes airport bars, that includes, you know, not necessarily you know, certainly I can put my hand up and includes the soundtrack to a wonderful Sunday nap. Um, and so I would love to know from a, if you want to talk about the value, because everyone's like, oh, it only has 800,000 eyeballs. But those are 800,000 dedicated specific eyeballs that are there. So those have to be worth way more than I would say, two or three times that many television sets that would be turned on.
0: Yeah, totally, George. I've worked in tech product and marketing for many, many years. I've run hundreds, countless ad campaigns. I can tell you that having a, a YouTube pixel, right, is super, super attractive to advertisers, right? To be able to retarget people that were very intentional with what they viewed, and YouTube gives them a lot of statistics about where that person is, what their demographics are, how long they watch the broadcast, I actually think, and this is, uh, you know, remains to be seen whether they do this, but you could imagine a scenario where they have international, you know, views that they're able to target, languages that they're able to target. You could imagine them, you know, having an all Honor Bon Lahiri broadcast. I'm making this up, but like someone wants to watch his entire 18 holes and they want to watch that, like speed golf. That is tremendously attractive to advertisers. I now know I have a super fan of Honor Bon Lahiri. And all of his manufacturing partners are going to want to know that and going to want to retarget to that person. So I think the attractiveness of those eyeballs is, again, super underappreciated when we think about comparing that to a 1.2 Nielsen rating that happens to be, you know, the average viewer is 65 and and getting older.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I think I have to believe that, you know, that type of stuff is what's got to be keeping, you know, the lights on deep into the night at Ponte Vedra because <clears throat> you can argue about the golf, you can argue about the gimmick, you can argue about, but like, I, I think back to people who used to say, like, if you can't look at Tesla as an automaker, you'll get t- Tesla as like a, a data company. And if you do that, all of a sudden you're like, oh, this makes so much sense now. And kind of live, it's a golf tour it's different than we've seen as golf fans um, be out there, but it, by going through this broadcast route of YouTube, is it potentially just becoming a golf data company and a marketing platform that golf's never seen before with so much user data that they can harvest and chop and sell and break down and then like resell back into. Um, And I, I mean, if that's the case, like maybe these numbers that, Norman is talking about with billions of dollars and these teams are worth this and this and this and this. I mean, maybe he's right because no one's looked at golf this way before. I don't think anyone's looked at sports this way before.
1: So the question is, did they kind of just stumble into this, right? Because they started on YouTube simply because they didn't have anywhere else to show it, you know, back the first event in June. It was just kind of like, well, we don't, nobody wants to touch us right now. So we're just going to throw it on YouTube and whoever can watch it wants to watch it. I mean, and, and now you guys are saying that this is, you know, the, the value of that is, is kind of indeterminable right now. And, 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 the, and the ways that you can cut it and, and repurpose it and, and, and draw revenue off of it is, is kind of endless. I mean, did they just stumble into, you know, the next thing?
0: Yeah. I, I, in my view, like, I don't know that they stumbled into it. I, I I think the international recruiting that they've done was intentional, at least in my view Um, you know, one could argue that if the top, you know, 20 players and they were all kind of us-based players signed up, they would have taken them for sure. But I actually think the way that they've recruited and they've established these teams with national identities, or at least regional identities seems intentional in my view. And and again, I go back to like, again, quick aside, but I've always said, you know, it's 2022, why can I not get like a feed of my favorite players or my favorite team or my, you know, just my sports package and how can I slice that up and get it? You know, I think this could be the future and you could absolutely see a scenario where if you love the Australian team, you might buy extra, you know, access to get just like all their shots or you want to watch that YouTube video. And again, like that's a much more uh, attractive retargeting set of eyeballs for, for that stream. Um, so I don't know that they, they stumbled into it, but, but again, a a lot of the great tech companies of, of the last few decades had some fortuitous events that, that helped them along the path of being a, a juggernaut.
1: Yeah, no question. They didn't stumble in international market thing. I, I was more kind of on the YouTube thing and how they can repurpose that. Did they stumble into that? Was, was a bit of my question, but to your point, Brian, about, um, you know, the, the, watching a single player all their shots or, or or a package of your favorite players or whatever I mean the tour was working towards that right that was the reimagined shot length that was going to be you know cameras everywhere you were going to be able to buy the Australian player package and see you know just the shots that the Australian players hit or, or just the shots that the European players hit and and I think some of this stuff got lost in the fray, you know, potentially of Panavida having to, to repurpose and retool some of their efforts. And so I don't know where some of that stands right now inside the PGA Tour product. But it seems that that Live has it greater at their fingertips.
0: Yeah, to, no, it's a good point. And it's I, I will I will say like I'm I'm someone that does watch PGA Tour live. I will uh, because we're we're working remotely. I can throw that up on on a screen or on a part of my screen while I'm still doing work. I've always thought one of the coolest parts of that product was actually like the speed rounds, like being able to see in five minutes, like every shot, one of your guys hits is, is quite a cool thing. Um, I don't know that it was ever monetized and maybe Billy, you're right. They've got some behind the scenes stuff that never came to fruition where you could maybe buy a package or or subscribe to guys or whatever it may be in a funny way. I would say if that is happening and live beats them to the punch, maybe like being able to wear shorts you Know PJ Tour will be seen as copycats when eventually they allow uh, their players to wear shorts. That's my funny way of of also talking about this this funny thing where the PJ Tour, I think for the last Billy, you can tell me maybe three or four years has allowed shorts in practice rounds, but never during competition rounds. Live just this week in the second round, ironically enough, said, you know, hey, we're 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 allowing shorts. Uh it, it made for some guys that had a, a pretty good, pretty good fit. It just looked normal. Then there was the League Westwoods of the world that uh Perhaps he should just put pants back on with the long socks and, and white shoes. It looked a little uh, a little out of place, um, but but it's a funny thing that it, you know we can joke about it, but but it actually is an opportunity again where like Liv is kind of getting the jump perhaps on the PJ tour on some of these things that are new and fresh and hashtag innovative. This episode is sponsored by the fit for golf app, the all-in-one guide to better golf, fitness, and health. I've been using the fit for golf app for many months. You know, it's improved my overall strength, flexibility, and my ability to prepare the right way before I play. In fact, I find that if I'm coming in hot for a tee time, I don't just bang balls, you know, for 10 minutes like I used to instead. I have a set of band and club aided dynamic stretches that I do. And then I just hit a handful of balls and putts and I'm ready to rock. In the Fit for Golf app, you'll find a ton of workouts and programs from speed training to off season and in season workouts, warm up routines, and much, much more. And Living It Up listeners, we have a special deal for you. Use the code Living It Up, all one word, in checkout, and you'll get 20% off an annual membership. We thank Fit for Golf for their sponsorship and I thank Fit for Golf for the improvements I'm seeing in my own game.
2: Yeah, so Billy, what, what's your what's your take on that? If if the PGA tour sends the memo out, you know, for the twenty three season or whatever it will be, you can wear shorts. It's your choice. Where where's where's Billy Hurley? Where's what's he packing? Oh wow, that's a good. Well, 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 let me let me start We're by drawn, saying this is this is before. Billy.
0: I'll start by saying this is Billy Hurley that wore pants in college and we would make fun of him for that and he 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 continued to wear pants even when it was hot as hell. But continue. Uh,
1: I I I I did uh, stubbornly wear a lot of pants in in college for what I look back on now as no good reason. But um, you know, I, I, did adopt the shorts and practice round thing, you know, based on, based on weather mostly. I mean, like, look, I mean, I, I, didn't quite understand some of the guys who were, who were doing it when it was 55 degrees outside, just cause you could, but you know, um, it would probably just be a, be a weather decision at the end of the day. And it would probably be, you know, shorts mostly, you know, in, the, in, in the summer, if you had the option, I mean, it just, it's, it's more, uh. Probably a more enjoyable way to 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 be outside, you know. Um, I don't. If I cannot see the tour copying that one, right? I think that the the tour only uses that to fuel the exhibition nature of of what they're trying to you know combat against with live golf.
2: This and this is actually just a genuine question, curiosity. Do we know why the tour has stuck with pants? Like, I don't think, I know there's a couple clubs that still adhere to it. The ones that I know of are actually out in like California where it is significantly cooler. Like, you know, I think MPCC is pants, um, which is fine. Cause it's,
1: you know, a hot
2: day there is 63 degrees and no humidity. Um, but yeah, do we know why this is a thing?
1: There's a, there's a famous course in Georgia that's pants only too, but, um, I think it's just a, it's a, it's a tradition thing ultimately, right? I mean, the, the golf professional has always worn pants, um, you know, club pros are always in pants. It's kind of just a part of their credo. Um, and, and the tour, you know, kind of came out of, of that and it's just kind of always been, been, uh, been part of the the tradition been part of it hey i think pants looks better okay like I, I think it just it's a it's a it's a classier looking thing um to 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 be in pants and 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 whatnot uh but that that is now a bit of the a bit of the battle right it's the it's the tradition versus the new age it's the PJ tour versus live and 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 which one's going to win on some of these things? I'll throw it back to you guys as fans. Which one wins?
2: Well, I will tell you that um, some of the, the scenes coming out of Eastlake, uh, a handful of players in that hot Georgia sun, the sweat that was going on the pants was extraordinarily unflattering. Um, I, I hope they had invested heavily in Gold Bond and other things to uh, – maintain some equilibrium uh where it needed to be but it was it was a tough scene for a lot of those guys so i i mean frankly i i don't as a fan think i care at the end of the day you know these are athletes and you know aside from basically baseball players who also wear pants um no matter how hot it is wherever they go um yeah, it is kind of a weird a weird thing, but it's just interesting that, like, this is, I feel like this is going to be one of those weird battlegrounds because yeah, I, I agree. It's this gotten to the cool. point of, you know, if one does it, like, if Liv does something, like, the tour has to, like, respond in some, like, meaningful way to it. So, I mean, I, I keep waiting for Greg Norman to be like, we have donated $500 million to baby seal rehabilitation just to put Jay in a box. Like, okay, Jay, now what, what are you going to do?
0: Yeah, I'm with you. This'll be a funny one to watch. And again, because it's something as like inane to a degree as like shorts versus pants, it'll be funny to see how the PGA tour responds. I'll give you one that's kind of interesting as, as a viewer. And that is, I actually think if you slow down like a, you know, Conic Minolta swing vision camera, there's been a lot of emphasis on like ground forces and how the body moves to the swing. I actually think you can see it better and I can understand like sort of leg motion, hip motion through the swing when I can actually see the kneecaps and see the legs. So that's like one small thing. I saw a slow motion shot by, by Phil Mickelson. and, And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. I can actually like see like literally his calves flexing. Of course it's Phil and his calves, but like I can see his calves flexing and I can see his knee rotation better than I ever did when it was just, you know, kind of baggy-ish pants moving through the, through the hitting zone.
1: That's a great point. There's, there's no question. You can see the golf swing, you know, better in, in shorts and a, in a, in a a shirt, right. I mean, I would, I would actually film in shorts and a t-shirt, you know, in, in the off season and in in my, in my basement, or if it was cold outside, I'd I'd take the sweater off to film so that you can actually, you know, see the arms and, and, and get a better sense of, of where everything is.
0: I've seen the Matt Fitzpatrick where he's like wearing th- like sensors and no shirt. It looks really weird, but but that has a purpose because he's trying to see like everything that he can while he's while he's practicing with his instructor. But hey, we could uh we could move off shorts shorts versus pants. This will be something that we'll be watching very very closely in the weeks and months to come. You know what's up next? We've got we've got live. Uh, I've heard people say it's not really Chicago. Uh, Rich Harvest Farms is, is not really Chicago, although I think they're going to call it live, live Chicago. This one is actually going to go up against the, uh, the Fortnet championship out in Napa. Um, it'll be interesting to watch. Like, again, the live Boston event didn't have a lot of competition sports wise. I'll be curious to see like views and how that stacks up when you've got a PGA tour event, you know, fall series event, but like PGA tour running alongside live, like what will the viewer numbers look like? What's the Twitter chatter going to be? And, and, and I'll be curious to just see, you know, now that Liv has to a degree proved, you know, or at least like, you know, shown some of the haters, maybe something they hadn't seen and and maybe some of the excitement that they, uh, you know, are now understand is there. I'll be curious if it carries over and and maybe Live has won some fans that'll carry over to Live Liv Chicago.
2: Is this also um, opposite? Oh, no, it's not. The guys are gonna be at the Wentworth. Uh, okay, so park that idea. But I, I think what will be telling for live is going to be the international numbers for that event, because it's not that it's just going up against the PGA Fortinet thing. It's going up against college football and NFL football in full swing. And if you're here in America, um, that is the, you know, not 800 pound gorilla. It's the 8,000 pound gorilla. It swallows up, everything else and nothing competes or takes the eyeballs away. You know, on Saturday, you have college football starting at noon, going all the way until basically, uh, sadly, like two in the morning, if you have to be someone like myself, who's tortured Pac-12 alumni watching some of those games. Um, and so there's just no space in America, in American sports really for, you um, a golf tournament. It's so I think the numbers in America will probably fall off the cliff. Um, and just as they probably will for the Fortnite, like their numbers probably aren't great. So the, the real truth is gonna be okay, how now you have these international guys, what are the international numbers gonna look like?
0: Yeah, I agree. It's it's gonna be relative. I can't imagine the US numbers continue to be what they even were for for Lib Boston when you're competing against. Against football, so I think it's like a relative comparison: Fortnite, you know, PGA Tour versus uh, versus Live Chicago. Um, but I think the international, and I would like to to see that broken out if possible. Like how how of these eight hundred thousand plus views, like how many of those have been in the U.S. versus international? Um, it'll be a curious thing to to watch in in the weeks ahead. Um, I think you know, parting thoughts that I would give. Um, again, have we talked enough about George winning the flighted match play? Probably not. We could spend the whole episode talking about the nerves that that George was facing down the stretch and how he overcame a lot of adversity winning four and two. So. So, again, a, a hearty congrats to you, George, on your victory in, in the flighted match play, you yeah, know, the, the real, the real rubber meets the road next month in the club championship. I mean, this is just going to be content gold if George and I face off in the, in the semis or the finals. Um, it's it's going to be it's going to be great.
2: Yeah. You just work on your pace of play so we can finish before <laughs> dark.
0: Well, with that, uh, with that slanderous stuff, I may, I may be calling Larry uh, Clayman to get a, uh, a lawsuit going after I've been slandered for slow play. Billy knows that I'm, I'm a very fast player. My Pinocchio knows growing. Um, but I will bid you guys adieu. Happy Labor Day to all of you who celebrate, and thank you guys for joining us.
2: Have a good evening.
0: See ya. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening to the Living It Up podcast. Follow us on the Twitters at Living It Up Pod. See you there.